Well, uh, my last restaurant uh, I opened was uh, the focus on food waste. And uh, when we started that, it was almost no one who wanted to work with us of the suppliers and farmers because they thought we should buy the, the good stuff, the expensive stuff, uh, which we want to do. But uh, we also wanted to, to buy everything that was going to waste. Now, uh, five or six years later, it's, uh, it's, uh, everybody's working with it. So it's a, it's a turnover on the focus on the restaurant business. Everybody's working with food waste and, uh, and almost everyone is buying ecological uh, milk. Uh, but we thought that that isn't enough and there is so much more to do in the food industry. Welcome to the podcast Matlaboratoriet, the food lab from Open Lab in Stockholm. One of the United Nations' most urgent sustainable development goals is number 13. It reads, take urgent action to combat climate change and its impacts. Since the food system is a major contributor to our mutual carbon footprint and restaurants play an important role in any city's food system, the restaurant scene can potentially be an important factor if we are to reach the global goals by 2030. But how will this work? In what ways can a restaurant contribute? And how does a completely sustainable restaurant look like? And what will be on the menu? To answer these questions, I have with me one of the founders of the restaurant lab, Chef Johan Gottberg. Here is also Miguel Brandeo, Associate Professor at KTH Innovation. Welcome. Hello. Hi. Let's start by you telling me what you do? Well, my name is Johan Gottberg and I'm a chef. I've been working in uh, top kitchens in Europe for a long time and uh, the last uh, 14 years in Stockholm. And uh, I've always been interested in the sustainability of the food systems or the restaurants. Why such a passion for the sustainability? Uh, I grew up in Tanzania uh, when I was a small kid and uh, I saw the, the impact that uh, like a pig could do for a whole village or make uh, grow your own vegetables and uh, it's uh, to take care of everything and it's uh, it um, well it uh, did a big impact on me and uh, and Miguel uh, tell us about you and your work my name is Miguel Brandão I'm an associate professor at KTH in life cycle assessment and industrial ecology so my work is focused on estimating environmental impacts of systems, product systems, particularly bio-based systems like food and bioenergy. My focus has not been on climate change only, but primarily, yes, it has been on climate change. I uh, lecture, I give a few courses on uh, environmental systems analysis, so how to measure impacts and how to report impacts in a scientifically robust manner, which I think is very needed these days. And how important would you think that the, um, the global goal number 13 that I mentioned, how important is that? It's very important. Uh, like our the other goals, um, we are facing a climate crisis and we need to take action in order to reduce our impact. That much is clear. I wanted to ask you, Yuan, um, tell me a little bit about the background and why you decided to open the restaurant lab. 
Well, uh, my last restaurant uh, I opened was uh, the focus on food waste. And uh, when we started that, it was almost no one who wanted to work with us of the suppliers and farmers because they thought we should buy the, the good stuff, the expensive stuff, uh, which we want to do. But uh, we also wanted to, to buy everything that was going to waste. And that's um, now, uh, five or six years later, it's uh, it's uh, everybody's working with it, so it's a it's a turnover on the focus on the restaurant business. Everybody's working with food waste, and uh, on almost everyone is buying ecological uh, milk. Uh, but we thought that that isn't enough, and there is so much more to do in the food industry. And what is the most uh, urgent? Uh, thing that's not enough what 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 do we need to change most urgently uh i think that all goes together like a circle what we how we farm how we transport it how we prepare it how we eat it how uh, waste is taken care of it's it's uh, all the little things uh, left now and it all hangs together and then back again to to the uh, to the restaurant could you tell us also which constellation uh who are the members of who started up the restaurant together? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's me, and there is another chef, Stefan Eriksson, who won Årets uh, Kock, the chef of the year, uh, 2005. Uh, and there is Maria von Euler and Elin Abbevik, who is uh, running a, a company called Them Partner. Uh, and there is um, Anders Breitsholst, who is a uh, his all the materials in the world. He's like a scout for all the new and uh, sustainable materials, and he's working a lot with the furniture industry, the textile industry, the car industry, and the airplane and everything. And he's trying to 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 find and uh, try and test it the new materials that we see and old, and to see how bad or how good they are. So he's also with us, and we have a, a economist. Uh, called Pascal Savreda. But it seems uh, uh, like a kind of unusual constellation of people. Why this exact constellation? Uh, we we thought that it, it shouldn't just be uh, restaurateurs who dr- run restaurants, but if you're not a restaurateur, you, you will fail. So, uh, so I think um, it's a perfect uh, combination with us and uh, designers and... Uh, so it's it's just the perfect match for all. So they all fit in. Yes, they do, yeah. and it's very important that we're all uh, working together. Maybe a question to both of you then: uh, How does the Restaurant Lab work with the Sustainable Development Goals in general, and Number Thirteen specifically? And how could the restaurant potentially work with that in the future? The main goal that the restaurant works with is indeed the climate goal. Uh, and the first way in which we try to minimize climate impacts is by using food items that otherwise would have gone to waste and also to have a very creative way of selling our dishes in which customers pay by the weight of their plate. So this promotes, this encourages the customers not to overflow their plate because they will pay for it. So there's a concern from everyone to minimize the amount that is consumed of food. But also there are vegetarian options and vegan options which are very well 
made, thanks to Johan, he's a great chef. Uh, so primarily that's the way in which uh, we try to minimize the climate impacts of the restaurant activity. On the second stage, when we have more data about where the food comes from and the environmental impact of the different options that we can uh, give to our customers, cook and, and sell to our customers, then we will specialize, I think we have to debate this further, in those options that will lead to the lowest climate impacts and along that the lowest environmental impacts in general too. That's how we envisage it uh, so far. And you mentioned that you, when we have measured and when we have more data, in what way are you collecting this data now that you could base that action on in the future? At the moment, we're not collecting uh, too much data. This is a, a mid-term goal. We will be collecting direct data from the activities that happen within the restaurants. For example, all the input use, the energy use, the water use, and so on and so forth. Uh, but we will also uh, do the same for the indirect impacts of the items we purchase and use uh, in our kitchen and also the different ways in which we can manage our waste. We can compost food residues, we can also turn them into biogas. Uh, so we will have to assess and estimate the range of impacts that may come from different options of doing things in the restaurant. And Johan, can you mention more innovative solutions that are helping this work than the, the weighting of the of the food at the cashier. Uh, do you have more innovations to meet the goal? We, we do. We have a lot of um, ideas and projects that we want to, uh, to go further on with. But uh, I, was, I want to say first that we have measured uh, some points of, uh, of waste and we divide it in three parts of waste. And uh, it's one is the waste that we can't use, like a rotten tomato, we can't use it. or the, uh, the leaves from a from a like a banana leaf or something that comes with everything, we can't use that. So that's one part. Uh, the second part is is ways that when we cook, we we uh, sometimes do things wrong. Uh, we th sometimes stuff get old even if we don't want to. That's a real waste, and we throw things away. And the third waste is from the customers. And uh, we're now we have measured it for uh, two months, and it's. I mean, it's not secured data, but it's uh, it's okay uh, to use. And uh, for a lunch in Sweden, a, the median, it's uh, it's two kilos uh, CO2 from uh, from a normal plate in Sweden. The goal from the eat uh, is uh, zero point five. From eat, yeah, the um, eat Lancet yeah. report. Ah, we should all eat like zero point five. Uh, we are now on 0 0.7, but then again, we haven't uh, counted with, uh, with the thing that we're using waste. So it should have been, half of the food should have been throw, thrown away before we used it. We haven't m measured that. We, we don't have a system to measure that yet. It, it will work soon, but it, we don't have it. So it should be uh, somewhere around 0 0.3 or 0 0.3.5, something like that. So I think we, this, this is a very simple model uh, for lunch in Sweden uh, and I think it will work like everywhere uh, in the world and I know that in South America it's a, 
It's you buy food per weight a lot. It's a big thing. Um, but we just need to to get all the the data so we could push it together and get the structure from it. And in what way will you be able to see this in the restaurant? How will you communicate this towards the guests when mm-hmm. you have more data? We well we <laughs> we have uh, it's a bit uh, we're a bit divided there because it's it's uh, in one way we just want a guest to arrive and eat and go and enjoy the the lunch. So that's that's one one way of thinking of it. And the next time he or she comes there, uh, wow, is this really like climate positive lunch? Oh yeah, that's great. So they we should. We're not sure how we're gonna communicate it directly to the guests. It's more uh, on the website, more on the uh, like this in pods uh, or in uh, yeah. So it's not going to feel like a very special research restaurant even in the future. It's going to be more of a a regular good lunch restaurant experience, and then it's going to be if you look for it, yeah. they're going to be there. Right? Yes, yes, that's true. And and the reason is because we don't we 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 believe in positive uh, nudging. <laughs> so uh, if people are is uh, eating really really good and uh, they think that wow this is so good I want to come back I want to bring my friends or my company, and then they find out that it's uh, a good thing for the environmental questions it's uh, just amazing and the impact is even larger we think we believe that the question really is to understand what options there are to mitigate climate change and once we know that and having this restaurant as an example we can foster change anywhere else so if um, if we are able to nudge like Johan says guide our customers to eat low-carbon meals and to teach them about the environmental impacts and other impacts, perhaps ethical impacts too, and uh, particularly climate change impacts of the choices they make, then they're more likely to do those choices that are consistent with their goals. So if, uh, if a customer is concerned with climate change, clearly they will choose the option that is conducive to a low climate outcome. Which Dishes on the menu today are the most representative for your philosophy, Johan. Yeah, I would say the Swedish hummus of uh, the grey pea. Uh, we have a um, uh, farce, of, uh, which is uh, like a soy farce, but there's no soy in it because um, we only use local, like the grey pea. The you don't want to use soy? No, not soy from uh, from far away, and not soy that's been uh, grown in uh, like there would be should be uh, rainforests. Uh, um, not soy that's been grown where people have to leave because they have to grow soy. It's uh, it's a uh, it's a bad thing. It's almost better to eat red meat than eat that kind of soy. So this is the Swedish or the European soy, and it's uh, it's peas and lentils from all over and we're using the old cultural uh, beans and lentils from from Sweden for the moment and it's uh, working really well and it's uh, high in nutrition and really really tasty and above all the the thing if we want to change in the food and uh, restaurant industry it should be really really tasty and it's uh, the taste is uh, almost number one and uh, how much of the produce that you serve is um 
was was going to go to waste, so to say, uh, in one way or another. Yeah, we believe it's fifty uh, percent uh, almost. Uh, sometimes it's seventy percent, sometimes it's forty percent. It depends on the day and uh, what we get from our suppliers and farmers. And is that some uh, percentage uh, that you have as a goal, or in no. the long term? In the long term, uh, we would like to buy with no waste because they should have been uh, used before they come to us, and that's the goal. Uh, but uh, if this continues, we will uh, lie around here 50 to 60 percent, 70 percent maybe. And uh, how much would you call local? Whatever you, I would say uh, at least 50 percent, but up to 80 percent. It depends a lot on season and a lot on fish. Fish is a problem, um, and in some ways, uh, meat sometimes is a problem. But uh, almost all vegetables is is local-ish. Uh, Gotland, we count to Stockholm, so it's uh, local in that way. Um, but then again, we buy aubergine that uh, we're going to throw away uh, from Italy. And so we buy a lot of different stuff. For the moment, we're arguing if we're going to use only ecological or um, products and don't buy the rest of it. Uh, but it's, uh, we believe, for the time being, we believe that it's better to cook on it and don't and not throw it away and try to impact, make an impact on the suppliers instead to buy more local and to buy, yeah, not to buy the things from far away. Miguel, uh, do you think it's really possible to run a restaurant that is also an innovation arena? Yes, I do. I think uh, <clears throat> this is a, a very good example where that is uh, taking place. To my knowledge, there is no similar restaurant anywhere else in Sweden or the world. What have been the greatest challenges so far? Uh, collecting the data, have time for it. Uh, restaurant uh, industry is um, it's a lot of uh, wages, a lot of salary to pay and uh, not as much as income as you might think. Uh, people outside the business think it's a lot of money, but it's not. So the, the, the staff costs is the biggest one because ours is 30-40% higher because we need to uh, check everything and uh, collect data and uh, uh, yeah. And what do you see as your greatest advantages? I think it's a team that we have, uh, the owner team, uh, me, Stefan, Maria, Elin, Anders and uh, Pascal. Uh, and all the support we get from, uh, and all the attention we get from uh, from everywhere, actually. Um, so we, we, we've just been offered to change one of the world's biggest uh, restaurant chains. Uh, we've just been offered to open five new restaurants in Stockholm. We've just been, op- it's just a lot of, Every, everybody wants to uh, be a part of this, uh, and um, f- f- up to up till now we said no because we want to focus on this and see where we're heading. Uh, but at some point we need to to talk to these guys. <laughs> yeah, interesting. You mentioned a few uh, concrete possible uh, future uh, scenarios. Uh, you on what about you, Miguel? If you're looking. Um, Five years ahead, how does this place look like now, then, the restaurant lab? That's a good question. 
I think uh, by then we will know much better what we should be serving and what not, where we should be purchasing food inputs from and which ones we should favor over others. If uh, we should buy local or things that may be imported, again, depending on the season, like Johan mentioned, whether we should be serving meats, whether we should be serving beef or perhaps only chicken. It really depends on what the data will tell us about the environmental impacts of the different food items. Once we do that, then we can shape the restaurant to only serve those items, those meals that are within a certain, let's say, carbon budget. Um, so I think in five years' time we will be much more knowledgeable about the impact of foods because we will have primary data and we will have the results of our modeling work, which will be published, of course, and it will be informing others. But for us, for internal purposes, it will also help us guide our choices, procurement choices, uh, kitchen choices, uh, waste management option choices uh, that we will be doing in the future. And how do you think a possible sort of relation between the restaurant and the researcher like you could develop uh, in, in these years? I, I understand that the business will have to pay its way in order to survive and to serve as a good example for other businesses to follow suit. Um, so for me, it's, uh, it's very challenging and very interesting to be associated with a real business who will fulfill its economic and, and, and social and env environmental goals um, in the best way possible. And I'm very happy I was invited to participate in this project so that I can, to the best of my abilities, assess the real environmental impacts from a scientifically robust way. So. I don't know if you're aware, but there's a lot of greenwashing about uh, environmental superiority claims that are made about, for example, uh, organic farming or uh, vegan versus animal-based diets. And it's important to have scientifically robust data to guide our decisions without much in ideology involved. So I think this is where I, I can contribute the most to, to the project. And if we get uh, good data and robust results, we can make the appropriate choices and make other restaurants do the appropriate choices. I agree. Uh, I totally agree. And it's uh, one of the things that I think is the future is uh, teamwork and uh, getting together and uh, cross-working between uh, different branches. And uh, it's, uh, I think that's really, really, really important. That's a great end note. Um, thank you, Johan Gottberg and Miguel Brandeo, for participating in this very interesting discussion. I'm looking forward to follow the progress of your work and will continue to enjoy your lunches. You have listened to Mat Laboratoriet, the food lab, with me, Per Styrgård, a podcast from Open Lab, produced by Soundtelling. <laughs>